Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. I want to speak to you from a one verse. One verse in the Old Testament. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Hosea. And uh, if you're looking up in your old school Bible, maybe go to the concordance. Because you might need to like find out. Because it's in the Old Testament. It's one of the prophets. It's tucked in there. It's a small chapter. Hosea chapter 6. And uh, this, this passage of scripture, this chapter really, is actually a pretty depressing scripture. I don't know if any of you have read the Old Testament before and felt like, wow, this is intense. Like, I, 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 sometimes I'm reading, I'm like, man, God, like, thank God for your grace. Like, thank God for the new covenant. Because things were, I'm reading through, like, uh, I'm doing a Bible reading plan, like, read the Bible through in a year. And uh, every year I kind of take, take on some different challenges with the word. And uh, I'm just trying to listen through the entire Bible this year. And instead of reading it, like, listen, audible. And uh, I'm in Leviticus right now. I'm just like, man. Like, that is rough to read. It's rough to listen to. It's, it's, so I'm, I'm going to go to Hosea chapter 6. And I love the Old Testament because of this. There is hidden meaning all throughout your Old Testament. The, the work of Jesus and the cross is all throughout the Old Testament. God's redeeming attributes, his character, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is all throughout the Old Testament. And it's just interwoven. So in this chapter, chapter 6, it is destruction. It is God's judgment on a people who have sinned, a people who have turned away from God. But, but hidden in this chapter is God's redeeming attributes coming through. Chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Also for you, Judah... A harvest is appointed. It means it's scheduled. A harvest has been scheduled. Whenever I would restore the fortunes of my people. Now, I, I, I want to I speak to you just for a couple minutes from that scripture. I want to speak to you from the topic, schedule it. Schedule it. Now, I, I don't know about you, but um, for me, if I don't schedule things, they don't happen. If I don't put it on the calendar, it does not exist. In fact, I'm so irresponsible that I am not allowed to, to, to make my own contributions to the schedule because this is, may have happened to you, actually, in, in the lifetime of our church or me knowing you, is I probably, like, said hello, we greet each other at the door, and I'm like, you're cool, and you're like, you're all right. I'm like, we should grab lunch. And then, like, 36 months later, you're like, Pastor never called me. And um, that's because I forgot. Because if I don't write it down, in fact, there's a rule set for me. I'm not supposed to invite people to lunch. Like, that's how irresponsible I am. Like, like I have been told, like, stop saying that you'll do things. Like, you are just hurting people. Like, it's not good. It's not good pastoring. It, it, because it, for me... I gotta get it on the. I gotta get on the calendar. You know what I'm talking about? Like I got. I gotta schedule it. I gotta make sure there is an appointment set. You, you, you ever had reservations for a busy restaurant, and, and and you walk up and the line is like out the door. All these people waiting, but you have reservations. That is an incredible feeling. Like you walk past all of those hungry people, and you're like, you should have thought ahead. You know what I'm talking about? Like Bates Party of Four, that's us. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'll take that table. Enjoy waiting because you didn't make a reservation. I'm going to tell you, I'm a schedule. Anybody like, like you, you enjoy schedules? You know, like ske that, that's like, that's, how many like, like hate schedules? 
You know, I'm talking about some people like, I don't even like scheduling to raise my hand right now. Like, you're, you're, more, you're more flowy. You know what I'm talking about? Work starts when you wake up. That's how it works. It's like, what's, what time are you waking up? I don't set an alarm. I wake up when my body's ready to wake up. Like, you just, you just flow. That, that's a little bit more how my, how my wife is. Jamie, she, she, like, she gets up early, but she gets up because she wakes up. And, and, and if she had it her way, everything would get done, which I don't know how that happens. She still gets everything done, but she just flows. It's just flow. For me, I'm like, what am I doing in 30 minutes? What am I? I woke up this morning, checked my calendar, realized we had church and showed up. I'm joking. Some of you are like, what? No, I'm joking. I checked my calendar last week, knew we had church today, and been preparing all week, okay? So I, it, it's important for me to schedule what I'm supposed to do. I've, I've got to make an appointment. This scripture in Hebrew, or in Hosea chapter 6, verse 11, it says, a harvest has been appointed. In other words, there has been an appointment made for your harvest. There has been a, a, on, the, on the calendar, there has been a, a note made that schedules a harvest for you. That's, that, that's encouraging. There's been a harvest that has been scheduled for you. Now, now, this is the difficulty with God. The difficulty with us and God is that we both have calendars. They just haven't merged. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like when, when Google Calendars like came out with that, with that merge calendar feature, it was incredible because now you can merge. You, I, I can see your calendar. You can see mine. Our calendars have merged. Jamie doesn't like that feature because when, when our calendars merge, she saw all of my schedule things, and that's not good for a flowy person. She's like, no, I'm not merging with that. Like, I, I, need, to, I need to be in control of my own destiny here. And, but I have to be parented, you know, unfortunately. And it's like, I have to schedule out time to respond to texts. Like, that is bad. I mean, it's like, come on, Dustin, grow up. Like, just get it done. I got to schedule out of time. Like, this is my time. Schedule out the text. Some of you are like, oh, that's why he didn't respond. Yes, I, I, I missed that appointment last week. So I'll, I'll get there. Um, in a, an appointment. The, the difficulty in our journey with Christ is this. That God's calendar and my calendar are different. Isn't it? It's a, I know God's good. I know he's going to come through. I know God's going to break through. I just, I just don't know when. Wouldn't it be amazing if our calendars merged? Where all of a sudden now we could see what God is doing and when he's going to do it. That you knew March 10th, like today, like this is a breakthrough day. Oh, incredible. I better get up and go to church. Some of y'all, spring break week, daylight savings. You're in the house of God. Come on. You should be proud of yourself. Maybe some of you knew that on your calendar you had a breakthrough scheduled. Wouldn't that be amazing if you knew? I mean, if you knew that, like, tomorrow was going to be really rough, but in four days, like, it was going to be incredible. You'd surf through tomorrow and be like, don't worry, I got four, day, four days and the breakthrough is coming. The, the, the problem is that none of us know. That's, that's the difficulty, is that none of us actually know when is God going to do it? When is he going to come through? When is he going to break through? When is the healing going to come? When is the deliverance going to happen? When, when? We, we, we don't know because we're on, we're on separate calendar. We know he's good. We know his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We know he has the superior calendar. But the difficulty is that our calendars don't mesh and we don't know what is on his calendar. 
When, when, I was, when I was growing up, um, when I was about eight years old, I, I planted a garden with my grandma. And uh, all you gardeners out there, I really respect you. You're, you're, you're amazing. I don't know how you do that. Everything I have dies. I mean, it's just, it's, somebody actually bought me as a present, like a gift, a succulent. Like you're supposed to like water like once a week or something. I killed it. I killed the succulent. I mean, it's like, and I'm allowed to have kids. I'm like, Lord, help us. Like, thank God for Jamie and schedules. You know what I'm saying? It, but, but gardener, I mean, that's just crazy. It's like you plant and you got to wait and wait and wait till harvest time. And if you took care of it right, then it, the harvest is coming. And, and, and I remember as like a young kid, I used to like kept on going out and checking out what we planted because I wanted to see the progress. You go out day after day and after a while you get discouraged because it takes a long, you ever felt like this in Christianity? It just takes a long time. I know it's coming. I know I've sown. I know I've planted. It's just taking a long time. Genesis chapter 8 verse 22 says, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, one week in Texas. Just joking. <laughs> but really. Day and night will never cease. In the beginning of our Bible, in the book of Genesis, it says that there is a process. That it, this, is God's, this is a peek into God's calendar. God's calendar is not days and weeks and months and years. God's calendar is seed time and harvest. God's calendar is seasonal. It is that there is times of sowing and there are times of reaping. There are times of sowing and, and planting and there are times of receiving and seeing the fulfillment. In Galatians chapter 6 says, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now, we, this, this is important to know, that when you, what, whenever you sow into will grow. Whatever you sow into, you will have a harvest from. If you sow to your flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit, did you know that this morning, by coming to church, you sowed to the Spirit? By, by growing yourself spiritually, by worship. You are sowing in, by prayer, by your study, by your thinking about God, meditating on the scripture. It's sowing into your spirit. Now, this is the verse that we recognize. It's very familiar. It says, verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good. Because obviously someone had planted a garden before. <laughs> For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest and then there's this word in the Bible I hate. Right? I mean, I just want to like reap a harvest, period. Come on, God, just like, just right there. It's not that hard. Just one period. Just, 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 just give me the period. Says, no. It says, if you do not give up. You know what? I think there's a lot of harvest that maybe went unharvested because people gave up too soon. Because the failure is never in God bringing the harvest. The failure is always in us waiting. The failure is, us never, is never in God producing the harvest. The failure is always on our side that we have grown weary in waiting for what we've sown to be harvested. This is the difficulty is waiting for what we know God has 
for us. But this scripture in Hosea chapter 6, verse 11, it says a harvest, a harvest time has been appointed for you. It's been scheduled for you. And it says specifically that this is to Judah. Judah, a harvest has been scheduled for you. Now, this is one of the messages of my life is, is, is what the word, the name Judah means. Judah means praise. Judah means praise. So you could read it this way. For you praise, a harvest is appointed. Or you could say it this way. For you, pra- for you praise, a harvest is scheduled. Or you could say it this way. A schedule, a harvest has been scheduled for you because of your praise. Or as a result of your praise, now your harvest has made reservations in your life. That now my harvest is making room for me and it's been scheduled by God that it is on the way. Praise schedules my harvest. That, 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 that's what praise does. Praise, when I say, God, you're good, God says, yes, I am. And now I'm going to schedule an opportunity to show you my goodness. We, we don't praise God because God's insecure. God, you're good. I am. Do you mean it? Say it again if you're serious. It sounds like conversations have happened like this. People's lives. God, God, God just, he knows he is. God, you're good. Yes, I am. And thank you for recognizing it. I will now schedule a time for me to show you my goodness. God, you're my deliverer. Yes, I am. Thank you for recognizing that. Now let me schedule you an encounter with me where you will receive deliverance. The difficulty is not in God bringing the harvest. The difficulty is waiting. But in Judah chapter 6 verse 11, it says it's been appointed. It says that it has been scheduled. My praise makes an appointment for my harvest. Hebrews chapter 13 Verse 15, it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Stop here for a second. A sacrifice of praise. You know why it's a sacrifice of praise? In the Old Testament, they're just lethal. It's like, praise God. Praise Him in the highest. Praise Him in the lowest. Praise Him with every breath. Praise Him. In the New Testament, they soften a little bit. To tell you the truth, like, uh, guys, you're not always going to feel like praising So your praise sometimes is a sacrifice, that this is a sacrifice of praise, that God, I don't see your goodness, but I know you're good. I'm not experiencing right now your provision, but I know you're my provider. And I declare what I know about him as a sacrifice of praise that now begins to schedule that harvest. It begins to appoint for me that breakthrough and schedule it in the calendar that it is on the way. It's scheduled. Says the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. I love that. The fruit of lips that openly profess. You know what that means? That means saying it out loud. That's what, you know, we're, we're a loud church. That's who we are. We're always going to be a loud church. If you're waiting for us to quiet down, it ain't happening. We're a loud church. I like things that are alive. I like vitality. I like passion. I like people that are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I like people that really mean what they say. I like people that really believe in this and don't just check it off the box. I like an atmosphere where people actually know you're breathing. Listen, dead things are quiet. 
alive things make noise. This, 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 is, this is the, the sacrifice of praise is from the fruit of the lips that openly profess his name. There be praise coming from us that is open. Praise is vocal. Praise. Well, Pastor, I'm kind of a shy guy, you know, so like I think praise. Well, that's good. You're thinking praise. There's nothing bad with that. It's just not praise. Praise comes out of your mouth. How, how do you affirm your wife? Well, I think it. How's that working for you? <laughs> Don't work well for me. I mean, I think Jamie is like the most incredible person on the planet. I mean, she's incredible. I respect her so much, but my thoughts don't do much. I got to, I have to, you have to express it. Well, I'm thinking God's amazing. Why don't you tell him? Why don't you tell him? Like, just, just put it into words and begin to, you don't have to get up on your chair right now and shout it. I would, I would actually advise you not to do that. <laughs> Security's really anxious around here. This is, uh, I'm not saying you got to get, like, get wild, but I'm saying open, my, my lips are open. I openly profess your name. Psalm 22, verse 3, in the King James Version, old school, the, like the original. Not the original, original, but, you know. But thou, you ever heard this word, thou? Thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest, you ever heard this word? Apple's never heard of this word. So apparently they didn't, they didn't read the King James Version when they created it. But inhabitus, you know what that word means? It says inhabitus, the praises of Israel. That word actually means to make a home in. To, to, make, a, to make a home in. So, so God inhabits the praises or God makes himself a home where people praise him. An, an, another picture given by a commentary says this. It is like, everybody have like their, their favorite chair? The place that they sit. Like this, that's like my spot. I'm very particular about that. Like I got some of my spots, you know, my place. This afternoon, where we're going to find you, it's like that spot, right? That spot. You know dad's napping chair? You know, that, that one? It's, uh, that's when you've really grown, you know. When, when dad's got a napping chair, it's like you, you, you're grown. Um, that place, that's what this scripture is saying. It's saying God sits down or reclines in the place of praise. That when I begin to praise him, I'm making a home for God. I'm moving things out of the way. I'm moving things that are in the way. I'm moving obstacles out of the way so that I can make a home for him. My praise begins to make a space for God in my life. That's what we do every Sunday when we come together. That's what we do in our small group. That's what we do in our community when we praise God is we begin to, to make a way so that our prayer is that God would come and sit down. In our, in our presence, that, that God would make this place his home, that there'd be so much praise coming from Church 1132 that God would say, I think I'm going to recline there. I think I might lay down here for a little bit. I think I might chill out here for a little bit. I'm going to make my home in their praise. Praise, it, it, it does, it schedules your, your harvest, but praise also shifts your perspective. What, what, what praise does is praise takes the focus off of me and puts it onto God. Praise takes my attention off of me and puts it on the attributes of God. 
I got to be honest with you, even as I was preparing this message, I was praying and, and uh, I really felt like this was specifically what God wanted to say today. And, and I was just seeking the Lord and praying for you. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit begin to speak to me and convict me because I've got to say this, but this is the thing with preaching. Some of you guys know this. Before you preach it, God usually has to take you through it. And I realized that I had begun to complain in some areas where I should have been praising. And you know what I found is comparison and criticism usually result in complaining. And where there is complaining, there is no praising. A complainer will never be a praiser. And the Holy Spirit began to convict me. Things that I should be celebrating, I was criticizing. I'm going to tell you this. A critical spirit, a criti- people, some, some people think that's like a gift of the Spirit. <laughs> a critical spirit is not a gift of the Spirit, all right? It's like, Pastor, I got the gift. You know what they usually call it? The gift of discernment. That's, it's actually a critical spirit. The spirit of hesitation. That's like, I don't need any of those on my team. Any of those on my staff. Like, if, you, if you're negative, if you are a can't-do person instead of a can-do person, I don't need you in the room. Literally, I probably even shouldn't even say this, but there are some meetings that I don't invite certain people in because I know it's going to be negative. And so, oh, my staff just went so quiet. I'm so sorry. I love y'all. It's just the truth. I know some people, I'm going to tell you this. If I want to dream, Pastor Tyler. I'll bring Pastor Tyler. He's like, Pastor, we can do it. I got faith for it. Let's do it. I'm with you. What do you need from me? I love that. I love, so I, if I'm dreaming, Pastor Tyler's in the room. That's just, that's just how it is. Because I need people around that have the faith, that have the positivity to believe. Praise takes, it takes someone in, it takes someone from a posture of faith. To praise, you have to have a posture of faith. Whenever I give it to comparison or criticism, the result is almost always complaining. Do you know when you complain, things get worse? When you praise, God begins to make a way. When I complain, things get worse. When I praise, God begins to make a way. You ever notice anything ever getting better because you complained about it? I'm still trying to figure that out in sports. Although I will say, one time, one time I had an umpire change a call. And that one time has just it's fueled me for every other complaint. I'm like, yes, that one time. It's like golf. You can go out and play golf and you can just be terrible the entire 18 holes. But there was that one hole that you had a good shot. And that's what you replay in your mind. And that's what gets you going back. It's like, oh, yeah, that one shot. Now, if I could do all of my shots like that one shot, which will never happen, but that's what you believe. Can I say it this way? Faith cannot live in negativity. Faith cannot live in negativity. Well, I'm a realist. Well, you be careful that you're not just a doubter. Sometimes doubt hides itself in practicality. I'm just being practical. Yeah, but faith moves us out of practical sometimes. I'm going to tell you, there's some things that I've had to do in my life that were not practical. But I know they were God. Because now I see the harvest. But in the meantime, I didn't. So I had to believe God in faith to step through and to do what he was asking me to do. Even when I'm like, ah, that's not practical. I'm a strategist. I'm practical. I like things to line up. But faith sometimes requires you to step out of what feels comfortable. And step out of what you can do right now. And believe God. Praise shifts your perspective. Psalm 95 
verse 2, it says, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise. You ever heard a quiet noise? You know, I'm like, oh, man, that's, just, that's such a subtle noise. No, a noise usually is something you just don't have to, like, lean in to hear. Make a joyful noise. Some of you can't sing, don't worry about it. God said make a joyful noise. All right, just make a noise. Somehow, some way, make a noise. To him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. You know what you should start doing? Annoying your family with songs of praise. You should start annoying your spouse with praise. I praise God that you're an amazing wife. I praise God that you're an amazing cook. I praise God that you're... I mean, you're already criti criticizing them. And that's not helping. Why start, start trying this with your kids. Let's praise God that you have a sweet spirit. Praise God that you have a submitted heart. Praise God that that rebellious spirit is leaving in the name of Jesus. Like, like you start praising God. You should start running around your house just singing. I mean, just praising God. Like literally singing. You should sing praise to God. Just start letting it come out of your mouth. Making noise wherever you go. A joyful noise of song. I'm going to tell you this. It beats anything else you're doing. Well, pastor, I'm like a man. Like I don't like singing like that. Well, your complaining is awful. So you should start trying something. Is that too, too much? Sorry. It's like third service, kind of like filter starts to come off. But really, come on, like make a joyful noise. Give God some praise. Begin to lead your home with praise. Begin to lead your family with praise. Begin to lead your circumstance, your situation with praise. Praise, and I love this, praise scares the enemy. It's, it's, it scares the It actually does. Praise scares the enemy. In 2 Chronicles, there's a story about King Jehoshaphat, which is going to be the name of our church, third child. Jude, Genesis, and Jehoshaphat. <laughs> Got him. Be good. And Jehoshaphat like, goes, goes out to battle. And this is, this is what the scripture says. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 says, As they begin to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes for their enemy. As they began to sing and praise. Can you imagine going to battle? Front lines of the battle. Someone's like, great are you, God. It's like, the enemy's not scared. But while you're praising, the Lord is going and setting ambushes for the enemy behind you. Did you know in the Old Testament when they would go into battle that they would send the praisers before the warriors? Because praise said, God, we don't win unless you go with us. The praisers said, the battle belongs to God. The victory belongs to God. So the praisers say, God, you're faithful. God, you're good. God, you're worthy. God, you're a warrior. God, you're victorious. And when the praisers went, the ambush from the Lord was was began to set so that God would guarantee a victory. Praise scares the, the enemy. Whenever you praise, you engage God's power. When, when I begin to praise, I begin to engage his power. I, I begin to get, you know they call the Holy Spirit the helper. I begin to make him busy when I begin to praise because the helper is up there helping. So he's actually here. He's here helping. And he's like scheduling appointments for you. 
Breakthrough, breakthrough, deliverance, provision. Yeah, I got, I, he, he's scheduling. Because when we come together like this, and all across our campus, and thousands of people, and we begin to praise God, the heavens go crazy. Scheduling breakthrough. Because for you, Judah, a harvest is appointed. For your praise, a harvest is scheduled. And when you begin to praise, the enemy gets nervous because the enemy knows when you praise God, you are activating his power. When I begin to praise him, I'm saying, God, I can't do it on my own. I need you. And so when I begin to praise him, I say, God, you're fighting this battle for me. And God says, oh, that's right, I am. And begins to work. You know how most of us fight? We fight it ourselves. Fight, fight, strain, strain, work, work, collapse on the verge of defeat. God, help us. Let me give you an alternative. Before you fight, before you're exhausted, before you're burnt out, before you lose your cool, before you almost lose your salvation, if you believe you can lose it, <laughs> leave that up to debate. It, before any of that, God, you're faithful. God, you're my banner. God, you're my provider. You're my wisdom. You're my strength. God, your kindness reaches to a thousand generations. God, your faithfulness reaches beyond. God, your love endures. Like that kind of praise. Let me give you a scripture. Psalm 63, verse 1. says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. I'm going to tell you this right now. This is what a man of God looks like. This is what anybody looks like, but I just want to say this specifically for the, for the men because sometimes men have this pride thing that doesn't let them be desperate. But I'm going to tell you this. This is what a man of God is. This is written by King David. He says, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry, parched land where there is no water, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Pause. My lips will glorify you. This is not like your lips are so amazing. They glorify God. You're, 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 somebody like, well, I really worked on that. Yeah, I know. but it, Your lips glorify God by saying something. By, by talking, by praise, the way my lips glorify God is by me saying something. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a really a spiritual thinker. Stop just thinking and start saying. Watch what happens. It's not for us, it's for you. Watch what happens when you begin to praise God. It says, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name... I will lift up my hands. I love that. We're coming into a place like this. People are like, why do people lift their hands? Well, there's a lot of different reasons, but one of the reasons is because the Bible says, I will praise your name and I will lift up my hands. Why do you lift up your name? Why, why do you lift up your hands at a sporting event? Somebody scores. Yeah! Like, why do you do that? You're so passionate. It's making me feel uncomfortable. Nobody says that. In fact, like, we try to make people feel comfortable, like, in church. And it, honestly, we do it. I tell our staff to do it, but it drives me crazy. Like, we'll say it even, we've said it even today. If you feel comfortable, lift your hands. We were at a, we were at a hockey game, like, years ago. Jim and I went to this hockey game. Someone gave us free tickets. Now I know why they gave it to us. We went there. It was, like, 14 people in the stands. And an overzealous announcer that really wanted us to cheer for the team that was losing by, like, seven. Stand up on your feet! Get up on your feet now. 
we're going to L-E-T-S-G-O-L-S. And I'm like, shut up. Like, we, seriously, we're looking at each other like, this is so, there's not that many people here. Like, he must be talking straight to us. Like, he's telling us to, like, get, there, no, no shame. It's crazy that we got to come in the house of God and, like, just tiptoe around people. Just be careful, careful. I don't want, and we don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. That's not our heart. But we lift our hands because he's worthy. Out of reverence, out of awe, out of surrender, Lifting the hands in the Psalms was a sign of blessing. That Lord, we bless you. We praise you. That's what the scripture is saying. It says, lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. With singing lips. This is it again. You better start singing. Some of you are like, I hate singing. And I can't sing. Start making a joyful noise. Make some noise. Make some noise. And if you've, if, you've, if, you've got to like, if you've got to like sit in your car, roll up your windows, turn on your music really loud, and then praise God so you're not embarrassed all by yourself there, then do it. Just praise Him. I pulled up to somebody the other day. I looked over, and I've never seen somebody dance like that in a car. I'm like intrigued, scared, and impressed at the same time. I mean, I'm like... Wow, that is a party going on right there. No shame. You know, sometimes, like, the shame that we feel in lifting up the name of Jesus, that's just crazy. You know, I feel it too, though. I feel it too. But you have to just choose to step into what you need to do. Psalm 150, verse 1. Some people say, well, what, what should I praise God for? Here's a couple things. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. We need some trumpets over here. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Anybody play the lyre? Not are you a liar? Do you play? <laughs> Praise Him with the timbrel and dancing. I'm just going to tell you, this is not a BYOM church. Or BYOI, I guess, bring your own instrument. It's, it's not that. So if you brought a tambourine it's in your purse, just leave it in your purse. Nobody brings a guitar and starts playing a guitar in the crowd, okay? So you don't get to bring a tambourine and start. Like, you got to go through auditions. You got to, you know, whatever. In your home, rock and roll. <laughs> Says, praise him with strings and pipe. For all the young ones in there, that's like actually playing a pipe, not smoking. You gotta clarify, you gotta clarify these days. You know what I'm saying? Like praise him with the clash of symbols. I wonder how quiet a clash of symbols is. It's like clash. And then just because I think like God knew that there'd be all kinds of religion in the church, they said praise him with resounding symbols. Let's just throw it out there again. The clash of symbols, resent noise. Use whatever you have to make some noise to praise God. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, for me, praise is everything. Honestly, if I'm real vulnerable, like this is this is something I told you already that God's like walking me through. 
I'm walking in them. I'm just learning to praise God. Because it's easy as the organization grows and the pressures increase and the pull and all the tension and all of the balance, all of that. It's easy to begin to criticize or compare what I, what I used to celebrate. And this happened even last night. Jamie asked me how I was feeling. I'm like, oh, man, I don't, even, I don't even really feel like preaching, which for me is like a big deal. Like, I love, when I'm gone, I love getting, I'm like, get me back to the house. I want to preach to my people. Like, I want to be with church 1132. I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to be right here. I want to be with family. I want to see the power of God move. And I, I, I said, I don't really feel like, that's weird. You know what happened this morning? I got up, I came into church preparing this message. I said, God, I praise you. I praise you. You're so good so faithful. God, your loving kindness is better than life. I speak to pray. I'm telling you, energy flooded my body. Excitement, passion flooded my soul. I couldn't wait for you to get here. I had to endure two other services for you. I can't wait for the third service. I'm sorry. I love them too. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. I just feel God do what it started with an attitude of praise praise you with all my breath God praise me praise you with the, with the noise that I make with the joyful noise with my singing you know what we need as a church is for a noise of praise to be lifted up for people to exalt God we don't need just an anointed pastor we need anointed people we need a church that lifts up praise to God we need a church that is vocal and verbal and recognizes that my praise gets me on the schedule your breakthrough is on its way your deliverance your provision is on its way God wrote it down in his schedule don't grow weary in doing good for in due season you will reap a harvest thanks for listening you can find out more about us at church 1132.com